Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Winning Cures Everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in. It is the Monday, May 23rd edition of the show. I'm Gary. I'm Chris. And we have got some football to discuss. Of course, last week, if you missed it, we did have a nice, fun conversation about the Saban and Jimbo press conferences. Uh, Chris, I'm sure that you saw that Greg Sankey came out and basically talked about, uh, you know, teams making just direct payments. They're not even doing NIL right now, and they've got to find a way to, you know, curb that. And uh, and then, of course, the old ball coach. Uh, did you see what, what Steve Spurrier said about this? Yeah, I saw Steve. That's, it, now, this happened on Friday. I, I completely missed it until Saturday, I think. Uh, or maybe it happened on Saturday and I missed it until Sunday. Um, but <laughs> Spurrier came out and said, did Nick Saban say something that wasn't true? He said, I don't know why yeah, he's mad at Saban. <laughs> the, 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 problem, the problem is, is Steve knows this because Steve knows how the game is played, and he's been playing it for a, he played it for a long time. It has been, but played it for a long time. When Nick said, and we've never paid a single player, that yes, that's 100% not true. Yeah. So, so yeah, Nick Nick said several things that were not true in that statement. A, now, he uh, said a lot of things that were true that he didn't like, but, you know. Oh, of course, of it, course. It, no, it's, it, it's perfectly acceptable to get, get upset with somebody because Jimbo's whole argument against it was go look at how he's – dig into how he's done things forever and act like, like it's always been fair and balanced and, and he hasn't ever paid anybody. Like, yeah, that's what Jimbo was was countering. Yeah, and oh, and so so what what uh what the old ball coach Mr. Spurrier had wrong is is, is that's what that's what would really piss people off. Oh yeah, no, uh, no, for sure, for sure. Uh, Jimbo did double down on his defense on Monday today. Uh, he said that only one of the eleven early enrollees in their number one rated uh, recruiting class has an NIL deal, uh, which I just. I don't know why he continues on this. 
Like, <laughs> but here's the thing, though. Hang on. Once again, we're going to get back into semantics and time frames and all this yeah. other stuff. Yeah. But these kids could have signed contracts, okay, when when they chose to commit to A and M, but not gotten NIL deals yet. Like the NIL deal would be once you sign, once you've enrolled in school, you then it it then on this date it triggers this contract being signed where you're going to get paid this much money for your first year, this much money for your second year, this much money for your third year, and if you stay a fourth year, this much money. And and we don't know that because we don't have access to all those contracts. So I'm certain Jimbo's not saying these things without – no, because he's going pretty hard that none of our guys have any of these NIL deals. So I, I tweeted well, about this today. I was like, it, it, doesn't it seem strange that he continues on this saying that – they don't know of anything that's going on because it is technically against NCAA rules if they did know something was going on. But uh, but I the reason that he got so heated about players breaking uh, state laws and their families breaking state laws and all that in his press conference on Thursday, it it all in the state of Texas. This is why Quinn Ewers left and yeah. went to Ohio State for a year. It is against the law for high school players to sign NIL contracts. They cannot right. do that in the state of Texas. So, but, but what I'm saying is, is I'm pretty sure Jimbo knows what he's doing. Like this is yeah, his yeah. first rodeo. He's not a moron. He's a pretty sharp guy, and you know, for him to be this harsh on it, I'm certain that they've got this thing set up like a pretty well oiled machine. They were the first to come out with a big collective. To think that they would just have thrown it together just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, no, no. you're you're 100 right there. Like they know what they're doing. Um, it's just it's strange that they that he is so uh they he's he denying to, it so much like, so aggressively. Like you're say, you're saying that's strange, but he has to because they don't have the deals done yet. Because they're not allowed to have the deals done yet because these kids are still technically in high school. True. Yeah, the majority of so them. So why are. would so why would he why would he like breeze by that? Why wouldn't he go in hard on that denial? Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I do see where you're coming from. And again, of course, it is against NCAA rules uh, for the coaches to be involved in any of it. So, yeah, I, I mean, he has to deny it. And I, I totally get it. So, I, I, don't, totally so it. I don't understand why, like, the fact that he's denying it is a big shock to you. No, it's not like, that he's denying it. It's that he's being so aggressive with the denials, well, right? He's being so aggressive with the denial because the other side accusing him is equally as aggressive. His denial has to equal the accusation. Yeah, and there's there's definitely more of them coming out now, right? Uh, with yeah. Spurrier coming out and saying stuff, Greg Sankey coming out and saying stuff. It's it, there's there's a lot more uh, smoke around it right now. I will certainly all, say that all of all of this makes sense. And once again, all this is really easily kind of done and figured out using contracts. Okay, yeah. you come to play at, at Texas A and M, you sign with us. And and you're gonna get this nil deal, and it like we can't renege on it. We can't pull back off of it. Like it's it's a done deal. We just legally can't give it to you today. Yeah, yeah. And like not that's wrong. not a hard thing. That's not a hard thing to put in the contract. Yeah, I, I suppose you were probably right. You are probably right. Let's uh, let's go on and talk about the first topic of the day here. And I guess uh, Saban and Jimbo was really the first topic, but. <laughs> This one uh, has to do with the SEC. Of course, the SEC spring meetings are coming up. 
uh, within the next you know week, week and a half, however long it is. And we have got some interesting stuff going on in, uh, in the world of the SEC. And this will probably happen with some of the other conferences as well. But, uh, but let's go on and bring up uh, on the screen here Pete Thamel's article at ESPN says, could the SEC stage its own college football playoff? It's all on the table at spring meetings. A lot of different topics of conversation to be had at the SEC spring meetings, just like there is across the country in college football because the NCAA, we didn't really talk about this last week, but the NCAA basically said, you know what? Whoever wants to have a championship game, you can set it up however you want to do it. We don't care about divisions. We don't care about any of that stuff now. If you want to have your two best teams play instead of your two division winners, then you can do that. And the Pac-12 immediately did it. They said, yeah, we still got divisions this year, but we're not going to do division winners. We're going to have the two best, like two highest ranked teams play in the Pac-12 championship game. They're doing that this year. The Mountain West has said that they are doing it. The Big Ten, uh, they deleted all of their future schedules for 2023, 2024, etc., that they already had done out in the last year or so. They went ahead and deleted all of those from their websites, from the team website to set. So they are obviously working on something. And now the SEC, who they still have to kind of redo some of this stuff with ESPN now that Texas and Oklahoma are coming in. The talk has been of pods. And they were discussing, because there will be 16 teams, having four four-team pods. You and I have talked about this at length, Chris. Uh, with this situation, because of all the stuff that has gone on, with the college football playoff expansion. Greg Sankey has talked about this. He has said, uh, you know, like, we're good with four. It doesn't matter to us. Well, really, he can set up his own playoff. And they can do the winners of the four pods in a championship-style format. And the COVID season, you remember at the end of the year, we had extra games on the same day of the championship game, right? In this situation, the SEC could move to a nine-game conference schedule. And in doing that, they only have to schedule out eight of them. And then that last Saturday can just be full of uh, the the Saturday before the championship Saturday. Uh, You can have a playoff. You can have a setup now where if the SEC decides, you know, we're going to have two play-in games to the SEC championship game, and everybody else will just get to play whoever from another pod based on whatever record, et cetera, to see who gets set up best, the SEC could do this and make a whole lot of money off of it. Uh, so you're talking basically a four-team playoff. Yeah, a four-team playoff. For the SEC. Yeah, but set it up with a nine-game conference schedule where you only schedule out eight games. That's where it could get very interesting. I'm I'm curious your thoughts here on on this whole, uh, you know, it, it's not drama, but it's definitely something that the SEC could take advantage of uh, going forward. What what do you think about it? I mean, I'm for I'm for all this stuff. I mean, like I said, you know, what whatever gets us, uh, 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 you know, a good champion and more games and all this stuff. I I, I don't care. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't. I'm not. I'm not. You know hell-bent on any of it. Um, I, you know, so that would be interesting. I would like that because it would give us more football. Most certainly. It would definitely give us more football. Uh, 
So Part every team in the SEC would basically play 13 games. Well, no, they would basically only play three non-conference games. And then they would play nine okay. conference games. And okay. then whoever actually plays in the championship game would play 10. So that, that would be okay. the extra, like the 13th game. Now, would you seed it, obviously, one, four, two, three? I think so. I, I don't okay. think you would ever do... Um, I don't think you would ever do like, hey, every year we're going to have this pod against this pod and this pod against this pod, right? Like you want your you want your two highest ranked teams to possibly meet in the championship game. Like, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I think so. I think so. So it it doesn't have to be like divisions. It's just based on like seating and whatnot. And I think that's probably the uh, the smart idea there. Um, Best way to do it. Let's see. Uh, part of this article says one variable that shouldn't be underestimated is that SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey is still mad about the way the college football playoff expansion talks collapsed earlier this year. Uh, he's been openly vocal about his displeasure, and that's going to guide league decision making. There's been a general erosion of trust of the collegiate commissioner landscape since the chaotic COVID-19 adult summer of 2020. Uh, this says whatever collegiality existed among those five commissioners appears to be gone, said a veteran collegiate official. Sankey's in such a catbird seat right now. So really with this, if Greg Sankey and the SEC were to decide to go to a playoff format for their SEC championship, they wouldn't necessarily have to have the college football playoff expand, would they? Well, not for them, no. It wouldn't change anything for the SEC schools. But it would it would still be better because they're still only going to get one or two representatives in the other format I mean they realistically could get you know four double that yeah I mean they could absolutely get double that but if you set up to where you have your own playoff and the money that you would get from ESPN for that uh, you wouldn't have to you wouldn't have to bank on the money coming from somewhere else because you're already going to get but you don't all you're yeah but you're, you're looking at this strictly from a money aspect and not from a uh, another aspect of you want your teams to play other conferences. Oh, most you certainly. don't want you don't want this playoff just to play yourselves. You want your teams to you want your fourth best team to play the number one team out of the ACC because we, you want to show the world your dominance over them. Well, yeah, I mean you've still got you've still got bowl season and whatnot that would be integrated in this. Uh, if the other conferences cannot get on board, yeah, but hang on, hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. see, this is the problem, Gary. This is why we need playoff expansion. You got to throw that bowl season record bullshit out the window. You know as well as I do these teams that are competing for the national championship. As soon as they're not in the national championship, sixty percent of their roster is gone. Those bowl games mean nothing. So we don't have proper bragging rights. That's the reason the University of Texas thinks they're so goddamn good because they've sure. beaten like three SEC teams in bowl games. But they always play the second-best SEC team that just happened to miss out on making the national title in 80% of their team leagues. That's that's true. So don't, that so definitely don't, so don't give me that you still have the bowl game stuff. No, I, no, I'm with bull, you. That's a bullshit thing. I'm not I'm, doing that. If I'm the SEC, though, it, you've already been through basically two years of talks about this college football playoff expansion that would really benefit all of these other Every conferences more so than the SEC. Like, yes. so so if you're the SEC and you've already been at the table for two years saying, hey, 
we like this idea, but you got to make it appealing for us as well. You can't just limit it to uh, eight teams and only automatic qualifiers and blah, 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 blah. You got to make it where we can get more teams in because we are, in fact, the better conference. Uh, if they're not willing to come to the table and talk about expanding this thing out to 12 or 16 or however many teams, then why not stage your own playoff? And that way you're getting the money that you would have gotten from an expanded playoff anyway. Because you're only looking at the money. And at some point in time, you're trying to compete against all 130 teams. And and while the whole world sees your dominance, but they, they, they all see, oh, it's top heavy. Oh, it's top heavy. Because we got meaningless games being played in December with our teams against their teams. That's the reason why. Here's the deal. This is, this is the best advice Sankey could be given right now. You got to take emotion out of this shit, okay? Have they pissed you off with how they handled the last couple of years in your negotiation? Yes. You, you still have to do the best deal you can do for yourself and for everybody else as a whole. Do not, do not ever crush yourself or do something like that would be detrimental to you in the long term than um, you know, just to, just to make it a point and stick it to somebody else. Because we don't know that the rest of the country outside of the South won't just get SEC fatigue, all right? Because if the SEC is only playing against itself now all these times, then, then they're just not going to respect the fact that we'll, we're better than them. It's true. They're, they're just not. They're going to say there. the same thing they're saying right now, which is you're top heavy. But nobody respects – you know, nationwide, nobody respected Ole Miss's, you know, 10-win season last year. You can't, you can't convince anybody from the Big 12 that Ole Miss was better than Texas or Oklahoma or, 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 or Oklahoma State or Baylor. You're not going to get that. Oh, well, they played in a bowl game. So, look, we know who's better. Like, you're, you're just not going to get that respect from people outside of your Alabamas and your Georgias right now. Nobody else carries that weight. Not LSU, not Florida, not Tennessee, not anybody else. I think the best thing for your conference is to take emotion out of this. If you can get to 12 teams and expand, don't fight them on that shit. Just do it. And also, don't say right married to, to, to yeah. ESPN. Like, if they come back to you with a deal, like, if the deal's not openly detrimental to the SEC, then don't run away from it and not sign it just because they pissed you off the last two years. Like that's that's a rookie move. Like that's a that's a dumb, inexperienced negotiator move. Is to let emotion drive you. And I'm an emotional guy. You know that. You listen to the last show. You know that. Of course. But like you can't you can't let emotion drive business. You just can't. Oh, most certainly. But at the same time, you are bringing two brand new teams in. You're going to have a 16 team conference. Uh, major major brands. Okay. Oh, I need to hear what he. I need to hear what he wants. Then that he would walk or that that's a deal breaker for him that he would walk away from. Because I don't know all, – all I'm hearing him say is, is I'm mad about how the last two years have gone in negotiations. So I might do my own thing without you guys. And I think long-term that's not good for the, the SEC and, and it's not good for Greg Sankey. Yeah. No, I, I, I say – I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, Sankey did say this. Uh, he said, those unknowns are in our mind as we – or, excuse me, those unknowns are on our mind as we think about decision-making down the road. Uh, this is a fully dynamic environment. It's hard to understand where things will end up if you wait for this to play out. Uh, he said, we wanted to be good collaborators. We think we gave up a lot. What was viewed as a balanced approach, given the upfront demands, eventually feel, or eventually fell apart. 
Uh, we also have what is response. he talking about? What deal is he talking about that he he's talking about the uh, the CFB expansion? Oh, oh, oh. Give me the details, goddammit. That's well, what I mean, is the details said about they already they already came out with the details, remember? And then it was voted down by the ACC and the Pac 12 and the Big Ten. Yeah, and, but we talked about why it was voted down, right? Does Greg Sankey understand that, right? He understands the reason they voted that down because doing it the way Sankey wanted to do it was going to marry the whole thing to the ESPN. Oh, yeah. All those other conferences, all those other conferences have deals with Fox and they want Fox to be a part of it. So if, if, if we get, if we get ESPN's contract to run out and they come back to the table with the exact same deal, but this time Fox gets a piece of that pie and it's an equal piece of the pie, then, then Greg Sankey, if he plays this high and mighty high horse that, oh, well, I'm not negotiating with these guys anymore. We already tried this. Like, that just tells you he's 100% in the pocket of ESPN and does not care about anything else. It's entirely possible. Uh, he said, we have the responsibility to think broadly about different possibilities, uh, and the SEC will continue to do so. Because so, I don't think there's any way on earth once the contract is up we're not going to 14 teams exactly the way it was explained out. I just don't see that happening. I think 12 we're 100%. Teams? 12 teams, I'm sorry. Yeah. We're 100% doing that. I think I, that's doing it. I, I think, think so Fox too. is Fox is the only holdup. They don't want to – and I think if ESPN was smart, ESPN would give up uh, uh, a little bit to, to break the deal now and get that because I think that next deal is going to be even bigger than the one they get right now. Oh, most certainly because so, I mean, you're, so you're start about that clock on the, Yeah, start that new clock on the new deal today. Let's start it today and not not you know three years from now or whenever the hell their their contract is up. Yeah, I I think that would be the smart way to go about it. Uh, it's just going to be interesting. Well, let, let's look at it from uh, this perspective before we get into the Mountain West West Division today. Uh, let's look at it from the aspect of could they do this and still uh, do an expanded playoff. Like, I, it, it would be the same number of games that you already have. Well, yeah. If you're going to do the same number, this doesn't affect the playoff at all. I don't think no, so either. This doesn't I think change anything. All it changes is the amount of money that the SEC will get because if you have That's a, right. a basically in-season tournament to decide your SEC champion, uh, that's going to be massive. I mean, the ratings are going to be huge. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I didn't understand why it had to be one or the other. Like, why can't they do this no matter what and then still fight for the 12-team playoff? Well, the only yeah, – that, that doesn't make any sense. The only difference here would be uh, if if ESPN is going to be involved in the playoff, how much money can they reasonably give the SEC for all, – All they need. All they need. All they need. That's how much. All they need. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, they're not, they're not running out of money, and they are spending – all, all of these teams, all these companies, and pay. So ESPN wants to say we're going to be in the SEC playoff, but we're not going to be in the big playoff. Okay, that's ESPN's call. Yeah. If somebody else, if, C- if CBS says we don't come to any college football at all all year, but we want to, we want a piece of it. Whoever the highest bidder, once you get to the playoff number, nobody's married to anybody anymore. Okay, nobody gets any friends and family discounts. Everybody comes to the table with their best offer. And if the playoffs are played on Amazon and Apple TV, then by God, that's what we do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think you're wrong. I do you not. You don't want think them on Apple TV? Break open the checkbook. And don't give me this. Well, we gave you so much money for this other stuff. That's your call, man. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't put a gun to your head and make you do it. That's what that shit costs. Now you're not wrong. You're not wrong. 
Let me uh, let me go ahead and knock out these uh, podcast reads right quick. Um, the website, winningcureseverything.com is the site. It's got everything you need to know about us, all the different segments, etc. can be found over there. Go ahead and check it out, winningcureseverything.com. If you have not already subscribed to the podcast, please do so. You can go over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Whatever your favorite app is, go ahead and knock that out. And if they allow you to leave a review, leave a nice five-star written review. That would certainly help us out. Same thing on YouTube. Uh, go ahead and subscribe on YouTube. The numbers are still steadily growing, even in the off-season. Uh, I know we don't like using that word, but uh, yeah, numbers are still growing, so it would certainly help us out there. Hit subscribe and do us a massive, massive favor and jump into the comments. That kind of stuff helps us out as well. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at GaryWCE. Chris is at ChrisBGiannini, and the show is at Winning Cures. And you can always find my smiling mug over on BetUSTV.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, so today we are going to jump on to the Mountain West Mountain Division. Excuse me, the Mountain West West Division. We've already done the Mountain but we have got a lot to talk about with the MWC. Of course, last season, Utah State beat San Diego State in the MWC title game. We've already talked about Utah State. And now we are going to talk about the other side. Chris, before we jump into it, initial impressions or your thoughts on the Mountain West West Division? Uh, overall, I think it's better than the other side. And uh, yeah, I think some of these teams got a chance to be good. I think some of them scheduled really smartly also. I I tend to agree. I tend to agree. We'll go on and dive into the first one here, and that would be the San Diego State Aztecs. And, of course, coached by Brady Hoke. I believe this is the third season with Hoke at the Realm. Uh, he has done a a pretty good job. Uh, excuse me, the helm and not the realm. What the, what the hell am I talking about? Um, so, last season, 12-2. and two, Pretty damn good record. Uh, pretty none good. Of that, none of that was from the offense, Chris. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> if no, they could get the it really is with Brady Hoke. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, it, that defense is still rolling right along, even after Rocky Long left. Uh, you know, they are they are rolling. They do have some massive losses on the roster, though. Defensive end Cam Thomas, uh, tight end Daniel Bellinger, the punter Matt Areza, of course, punt god. Uh, then, of course, you got, you know, both guards that were gone, uh, the running back Greg Bell, cornerback Taylor Hawkins, um, guard Chris Martinez, etc. Uh, defense is going to be replacing some people, but they've also got some really, really good guys coming back. Uh, let's talk first about the offense. You have got to find a way to open this offense. I mean, this is just... At what, what they have done over and over again is not going to work. Uh, 
they were number 104 in PPA per drive, and that's just not going to win championships. Uh, the Virginia Tech transfer quarterback, Braxton Burmeister, is going to take over the offense. They are losing three starting linemen. They are losing three of their top four receivers, and they're losing the running back, Greg Bell. But with as bad as the offense was last year, I don't know that losing those guys necessarily matters. Of course, I say that, and it's preseason, but you, you get the point. Uh, the offensive line transfers that they brought in, they average six foot four and 330 pounds. Now, they are replacing three starters, like I mentioned, but I don't think size is going to be an issue. The offense coordinator, Jeff Heklinski, uh, is, is likely still going to lean on the run here. But if they can find a way to open up this offense at all, that is going to help out the defense quite a bit. Uh, moving over to the defense, uh, you know, it's been the bedrock of the program for a long time. That's likely not going to change this season. Uh, they have finished top 21 in scoring defense six of the last seven years. Uh, the question here, of course, is going to be who replaces Cam Thomas. He had 27 tackles for loss last year. Uh, there are, again, still a bunch of studs on the defense. You got Keyshawn Banks, defensive end, linebacker Caden McDonald. Um, you got the safety, Patrick McMorris. Like, you you have got some real studs on this roster. Uh, going to give me your initial impressions on this. Uh, this. This team looks like they are going to compete again this year. Yep. Yep. I agree with that completely. Uh, I think this team is going to be really good, probably the, the premier team in this conference, uh, in my opinion. Um, they lost some guys, but I think defensive guys, they've just been – it's just a system that they've been running for a long time, and, and, and they seem to know what they're doing there. Offensively, I do not believe it's possible for them to be worse. And so <laughs> I think with a, with a power five talent quarterback coming um, in transfer – uh, that should help them take a big step forward. Got a lot of transfer, and and you brought up the the offensive line revamping. I like this team. I think they're going to be really good. Now, schedule is a little bit different. Okay, they got a couple of big Power Five teams on there. I don't think they'll lose to all of them, but I think they might. And um, you know, I've got them not hitting that double digit mark again. But I think safely eight and four wouldn't shock me if they're nine and and then uh, three. That's I've got eight and four on this team. Um... You mentioned the offense. Uh, they were number 126 in explosive play rate uh, via their passing game last year. It don't get much but they, worse they, they don't, but, but they don't do that, though. Like, Agreed. This is one of those things. We talked about this with another team not too long ago. I don't remember when. It, but it was like, Utah State. Like, yeah. Like, yeah Utah State can't. doesn't run the ball. Yeah, with, with the run the ball. Like, you can't say, well, well they're just really bad at this. Yeah, but if they're really good at all the other things and that's just something they don't do, then, you know – like, at what point in time are we going to realize they're winning ball games in spite of that, and they don't care about that? Well, I think that – see, if Utah State can at least say, you know, we're really good at throwing the football, so we don't worry about the – we don't worry about running it, right? With San Diego State, they don't run the ball well either. Like, they were number 98 in rushing success rate. Um, you, like <laughs> You're right, but the problem is – but the problem is, Gary, is if you can't throw the ball well, that destroys your defense because you're going to turn the ball over. If you can't run the ball well, that doesn't hurt your defense at all. It eats up clock. It has you on the sidelines just as long as you would be um, normally. So, like, it doesn't – like, not a lot changes on the thing that you're really good at. True, true. If you try to throw the ball and you suck at throwing the ball, you're going to crush that great defense of yours. Yeah, no, you you are not wrong. You are not wrong. Uh, as we said, the defense is still going to be strong, even with losing Cam Thomas. Uh, the question is, can Brady Hoke adapt and evolve a little bit? 
Uh, even if he doesn't, this is still going to be a really good team. I've got them eight and four. I've got them losing to Arizona and Utah. Got them losing at Boise, and I've got them losing at Fresno State. Uh, could we see them beating any of those teams? Absolutely. Yeah. They beat Utah last I, year. I, I, like, I actually, the reason I said nine and 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 three is is because I, I think there's a really good chance they they might beat Arizona. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I, I think they're. I think, I think they're a better. I think they're a better team than Arizona. Uh, the yeah. early lines, if I'm not mistaken, oh, are they favored? I think, yeah, I think they're favored over Arizona in the uh, in the early lines. Um, I'm going to look at FanDuel right quick and see. Yeah. Uh, but look, looking at this team, like if they beat Fresno on the road, uh, would not shock me. If they beat Boise even on the road, would not shock me. And they did beat Utah last year. Granted, the game was at home, uh, so I, you know, this none of it would surprise me whatsoever. So I, I think uh, possibly. Let's see. Did it, uh, uh, FanDuel does not have it listed. So, um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, I think that they're favored by like just a few points. Um, yeah. Well, and they play on the road. So that doesn't surprise me, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not like Arizona's got some wild home crowd. No, no, absolutely not. You know. Uh, it's the first week of the season and San Diego State. You're not, you're not walking into the big house there, okay? San Diego State is favored by five. And they're not playing at Arizona. They play Arizona at home. And, yeah, favored by five with a total of 50 and a half. That's, uh, that's per oh, circle. Yeah. So, yeah, it wouldn't shock me if they beat Arizona. Uh, I do think Arizona's going to be uh, drastically improved better. this year. We, we think they're going to be better, but they got a long way to improve before they're better than good uh, G5 teams, right? I, I think you're right. I think you're right on that. All right, let's uh, – Because they were pretty far down that, down that rabbit hole bad. Oh, big time. Big time. All right, let's uh, let's move into the Fresno State Bulldogs, and of course, taking over Fresno State this year, Jeff Tedford. He is back. Uh, he retired uh, due to medical issues not that long ago, and Kalen DeBoer took over, ran the ship for two years, got him to nine and three, and then uh, won a bowl game last year, so ten and three, and, uh, and now Tedford is back. Kalen DeBoer has uh, has moved on over. He is uh, coaching at Washington now, but he does leave behind uh, quarterback Jake Hayner, running back Jordan Mims, wide receiver Jalen Cropper. Uh, the defense is pretty good. Like if you if you talked about this team last year, you probably wouldn't have talked much about the defense. But man, with guys like uh, Evan Williams, the safety, and the defensive end David Perales, um, I mean they are they're going to be pretty good on defense again. I think. Uh, even with that, you know, they are missing defensive end Aaron Mosby and the cornerback Darren Bland, but uh, but they, I think they're going to be pretty good. Like this, this looks like a fun team. Uh, they're losing the running back Ronnie Rivers, uh, wide receiver Kirik Wheatfall, uh, and then of course the right tackle. Let's uh, let's let's hit on the offense first here. DeBoer left, but he was the OC at Fresno under Tedford, uh, and then of course with Tedford back, I would imagine having Hayner back. Everything's going to look the same. Yeah, they're going to look the same. They got a ton of playmakers and a pretty good offensive line here. The explosive play rate could possibly stand to be improved. Uh, they were number eighty-one uh, in explosive plays on offense. It, it may they might get uh, they might get better at that having Jordan Mims be the premier back instead of Ronnie Rivers. Um, he's just like he's a utility back. He's really really good at. Can the offensive line fix their, you know, rushing success rate? I mean, they were number 50 last year. It, it's still pretty good. Uh, but they were number eight in passing success rate. So if Hayner is dealing, I mean, why mess with it, right? Why mess with it? Uh, offense is pretty good, and I would imagine it will continue to be under Tedford. 
uh, on the defense. It didn't feel great, like I said, but, man, they were number 18 in defensive PPA per drive last year, and that is elite. Like, they are really good. Uh, they need to limit the explosive play rate on this side. Uh, they were number 96. They, they gave up a ton of explosive plays, uh, you know, per the number of plays that they actually ran. Uh, the linebacker and the secondary uh, positions are loaded, absolutely loaded with talent. Defensive line lost four of the six players that got at least 225 snaps. But they do have Stanford defensive end Joshua Pacola coming in as a transfer. And then, of course, like I mentioned, uh, the defensive end Perales is a star. Um, man, give me give me your ideas here. Like, I, I'm curious uh, your uh, your initial impressions. Yeah, almost the yin to the yang of, of um, San Diego State for these first two teams. Got yes. them eight and four as well. And I, uh, I think it's going to be uh, good offense, improved defense. Um, and uh, – well, maybe not improved because they were pretty damn good in some, some areas. I, I just think they're going to – I don't know. I think they're going to be better. Um. And and yeah, I like I like this team. I like that they kept most everybody around. You know, normally when a coach a G five coach leaves for a P five job, you know, their first instinct is to think, well, I've got a bunch of studs at the place I'm at now. They got me the job. Let's bring a bunch of them on. Um, and it usually doesn't work out well because just because you're a great G five player doesn't mean you're a monster uh, P five player. True. And uh, and so I think it was smart for either of these guys to stay where they were at, and or for him to not bring them over to the Pac-12. But I, of course, a I'd rather live in, you know, uh, Fresno than than live in Seattle right now. So I I agree. I agree. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think if you're talking about where I got to live and get to play football, give me give me uh, give me Fresno uh, over that. Um, and uh, so anyway, no, I, I like this team. I think Tedford's going to be just fine. And uh, and they're gonna they're gonna win a lot of ball games. I think their schedule sets up absolutely brilliantly. Like it, this is, it, you could not have asked. Are for you it. thinking double digits? I am thinking. I've got them at ten and two. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I think the schedule is brilliant, and and that's with them that's starting brilliant. one and two. Now, would it shock me yeah. if they go nine and three, eight and four? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, my keys to the season here is let Hainer cook. Don't change the offense that ran last season much. Develop the offensive line because the rushing PPA was number 111 last season. Their success rate was good, uh, but their predicted points added was was not great. Um, develop the defensive line quickly. Make sure and keep the havoc rate up. They were number 28 in the FBS last season in havoc rate. Uh, if you can find a way to limit explosive passes, that would certainly help. Uh, the secondary, you know, is it looks a little more stacked this year than it did last season. They were number 117 in explosive passes uh, allowed last year. So well, you want to improve that. So my my thought on this is is so on this side of, of the football, on this side of the conference, I guess I should say, um, styles make fights. And the and the team I think that you're gonna be matched up against for this division, I believe, is San Diego State. And if you're gonna be weak anywhere and that's your biggest opponent, you wanna be weak in the secondary because that's not a threat for them. Exactly. So so that's that's why that's why I I, I, I you know, I, I do like Fresno. And I kind of made that a coin flip game. Uh, the reason I've got I've got the other team, San Diego, is uh, at, at maybe nine, and but definitely eight is because I I don't know that they win this game. This is the coin flip game for both of them. Well, this the San Diego State game is in Fresno this year. Uh, listen to the way that the schedule shapes up. All right, you got Cal Poly, 
and then you've got Oregon State and at USC. Now I could I've got them losing both of those, but then yeah, you've I do got because I think Oregon State's much much improved. Yes, agreed. So starting off one and two, and then you've got a bye week. You play at UConn. They've got six away games, but the away games uh, with with USC being one of them, obviously that hurts. Probably going to lose that one. You got at UConn, then at Boise, which I've got them winning that game. They could certainly lose it. Uh, but after that, you've got San Jose State at home, at New Mexico, San Diego State at home, Hawaii at home, at UNLV, at Nevada, and Wyoming. Your away games are USC, UConn, Boise, New Mexico, UNLV, and Nevada. Like, yeah, I but could, you're just not sweep. You're just not sweeping at home. Like, you. This is where you and I always have this conversation. I don't chalk up W's because of home home and away games. I just don't. I, it, it never seems to work out that way. Oh, agree. It agree. just doesn't. But I, I look at it as the ones that they're playing at home don't necessarily scare me a lot either. Like San Jose State could be pretty good, maybe. Uh, well, but there's no, a bunch. Fresno, too. The, the argument is Fresno State and San Diego, uh, and San Jose State. Like those are the two teams that are going to challenge them, right? We agree on that, right? Well, like uh, we're talking what San Diego State and do we think San Jose State's going to compete? Well, in comparison to Nevada, I do. Well, most certainly, right? That's that's what I'm saying. Okay. They get New Mexico, like, UNLV, so on, and Nevada. This, so, so on this side of the ball, on this side of the division, they've got one real threat and one possible threat in yep. those two teams. All right? But just because you get those two threats at home doesn't mean we can just talk that up to a W. I no, just, no, you're right. I, that's why I call them coin flip games. I do think they're better than San Jose State. That's why I have them beating them. But I don't, I'm not just giving them the win at Fresno, and I'm not just giving Fresno – I mean, San Diego, and I'm not just giving San Diego that win. Agreed. So. Absolutely agreed. Uh, but to to say that the schedule did not set up well uh, would be a farce, I think. This schedule – No, it does. Is, I mean, yeah. I started this with some of these teams have a have, have scheduled very nicely. Oh, yes. So. Oh, yes. They, they definitely did. Uh, let's see. Let's move on. Let's go ahead and jump into the next one. The Nevada Wolfpack, and and some people say that you pronounce this Nevada, uh, but we live in Mississippi, so we're going to say Nevada. That's <laughs> that's the way this is going to go. Um, the Wolfpack, of course, I mean they they lost basically everybody that really mattered. Um, everybody that mattered. Yeah, uh, Ken Wilson. Everybody that mattered. <laughs> yeah. It, well, I mean, I, so I put down uh, quarterback Carson Strong, wide receiver Romeo Dabbs. Uh, tight end Cole Turner, and then I put head coach Jay Norvell was one of the biggest losses on the roster. Uh, yep. And then I put basically everybody. They lost probably the biggest loss. Oh yes, Norvell, right? my gosh, they lost uh, eighty five hundred plus snaps to graduation or the draft, and then they lost another three thousand snaps to transfer. They are number one thirty in returning production this year. Number one thirty one on offense. Number one thirty on defense. Um, they went eight and five last year. Their post game win expectancy record last year was six point four seven and five point five three. So you're really looking at about a six and six team that went, uh, you know, eight and five instead, right? Six and six in the regular season, and they ended up going eight and four. Uh, I mean, their their roster strength like is a little better on offense because of some of the transfers that they brought in. They uh, let's let's talk about the offense first. Uh, Shane Illingworth. The quarterback from Oklahoma State, the backup, he is going to be the starting quarterback for first-time offensive coordinator Derek Sage. Uh, Sage has been in Nevada doing all kinds of things. 
Uh, he coached under Chris Alt. He coached under Mike Leach at Washington State. Uh, so you would imagine that you've got an idea of what he what he looks like, right? Um, Arizona wide receiver B.J. Castile should pair well with Jamal Ball and the running back Toa Tau. Teo, I, I don't even know how to say this name. I've, I've tried it a thousand times. Uh, he was all Mountain West last year, and he did come back at running back. Uh, even if there's not a lot of offensive line help, he's one of those guys that can make people miss. So, we'll move over to the defense here. Uh, the defensive tackle, Dom Peterson, he's a stud, but there's not a lot else on the defensive line. The linebacker, Josiah Bradley, is good at linebacker, but everything else is wait and see. Like, you got a few key pieces that could be good. And then other than that, it's just we'll, we'll see what we get. Uh, there are four players with more than 300 snaps returning in the secondary. That's pretty good. They were number 62 in defensive passing success rate allowed. Uh, they've got seven players that had over 150 snaps in the secondary. But they did lose both starting cornerbacks. So that's another wait-and-see situation there. Uh, give me your thoughts on, on Nevada and the Wolfpack and, uh, and what you think they'll be this year. Uh, the Wolfpack is very much a all hopes and future uh, situation. I don't think it's going to be good. I think they're going to struggle. I think, thank God, that they get to play New Mexico and UNLV and some of these other schools. I've got Nevada at five and seven. I and I have, think I was being generous. I think you were as well. I have them at three and nine. Three okay. and nine. I was. I felt like, and I'll tell you this. I I think. All right, so on honest question here then from you, and we're maybe cats out of the bag for for the next team. Um, where are we at with UNLV, and is Nevada falling behind them? I think they they are for a this pre, year. Pre damn, they're pretty damn close. If they're not, yes. well, rather they're better than them or worse than them, the argument can be made that they're they're close enough to where both those teams ain't anything you want to tell your mama about. I mean, I've got them losing uh, the last game of the year at UNLV. You know, yeah, yeah, well, but you so, got that because of that, you know. Uh, no, not so much. Uh, I just, I, mm. I think, I think UNLV is okay. going to be slightly improved. They, they really that that might be true, Gary, and yeah. you might really think that. But your history of how you've done things, like I, I just, I think if it was at Nevada and you saw it with fresh eyes, and we never had this conversation, you'd give that nod to Nevada. Uh, you might be right about that. You might be right. So, I, so, but I will tell you this: I do have them, which is fine. Back. Doesn't matter. So, yeah, uh, they do. Yeah, I've got because I had a hard time with them in in, in, in UNLV. I, I basically had both of them winning four <laughs> games, and I kind of said, "Okay, one of them might get to five, one of them might be at three. But I think they're both bad. I, I can certainly agree with that. My my keys to the season here: um, Ken Wilson uh, has not been an OC or a DC or anything. He's been a position guy. Uh, but he did coach under Chris Alt, Mike Leach, and Mario Cristobal. But this is a big leech or a big leap to yeah. uh, to be in a head coach. Yeah. That's right. So that's um, right. Key another key here: establish chemistry, get the team on the same page early. There are three winnable games right out of the gate. They can they can play at New Mexico State, Texas State, and Incarnate Word. You get those three, you start to gain a little uh, confidence and whatnot. Figure out some right. of the stuff that you got. Maybe three and nine or four and eight or whatever. Uh, is something that can be avoided. But uh, I've got here last, you know, looking at last year's numbers, like none of them matter. Uh, You got to get Shane Illingworth comfortable because behind him is Nate Cox, who was decent as a backup, but uh, he got like 40-something snaps last year and 
was okay, but like, eh, you know what you got with Illingworth, I think. Um, and so I would get him comfortable. Uh, it's going to be a rough stretch uh, after those first three games. You got at Iowa, at Air Force, Colorado State, at Hawaii, San Diego State, at San Jose State, Boise, Fresno, and at UNLV. Like, that is a rough stretch for anybody that wasn't replacing basically the entire roster. The entire roster and staff. Right, and having a first-year head coach that's never even been a coordinator. Like Yes, yes. All of these things combined to being really ugly. Really ugly. Now, let's say something positive here. Uh, there's a coach in the SEC that did really well last year that had never been a coordinator either, and that would be Sam Pittman. So maybe you can establish the culture early and get something rolling here, but it, it don't look good. I'll certainly say that. Oh. <laughs> it really don't look good. He, the difference between Sam followed a – now, and I love Sam, and I'm not going to besmirch him, not one iota. But the difference between this and Sam is Sam has two OCs and DCs, two coordinators, that are head coach material. Also. Oh, most certainly. They, they basically have three guys on that team that could run their own program. And that helps. That you, helps a lot. You have so, got that right. I love I love Sam, and I love what he is doing. And I, I ain't going to say one bad thing about him, but to try to say, well, you know, coaches who've never been coordinators before have succeeded in the past, well, then you better go get other guys that have been head coaches to be on your staff. Agreed. Uh, because somebody's going to have to pick up the slack. This shit ain't magic. It ain't going to happen overnight. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. The San Jose State Spartans are next. And, of course, anybody that's watched this show long enough knows how much we appreciate Brent Brennan. Uh, went 5-7 and seven last year. Uh, but the postgame win expectancy numbers paint a different story. Uh, three and a half wins was their postgame win expectancy, and they ended up winning five. Uh, now, you can say that that's coaching, that they were able to win some games that they probably should not have. But it definitely doesn't set them up well for this year. Uh, they lost quarterback Nick Starkle, who was only able to play in seven games last year, so that, that definitely did not help. Uh, running back Tyler Nevins is gone. The left tackle Jack Snyder, uh, who was really good, he's gone. Safety Jay Leonard and the tight end Derek Deese Jr., who was just a monster, uh, he is gone as well. But they do return a lot on a defense that was pretty good. Um, they were number 20 in the country in returning defensive production, number 64 on offense, uh, the defense, as far as roster strength goes, uh, number 45 in the country. Like, that is that is P5 level. Like, defense was really good. Uh, they were number 34 in defensive PPA per drive. But uh, but let's start off with the offensive coordinator. Uh, cordon, excuse me, the offensive side of the ball. The OC, Kevin McGiven, uh, enters his fifth season here. The offense was just a disaster last year. After being so good in 2020 in that COVID season, uh, they just had a ton of turnovers, negative plays, uh, but they did get a transfer in here, and that transfer was quarterback uh, Shevin Cordero from Hawaii. Um, can that cornerback or that quarterback and the wide receivers that came over from Nevada can those improve the numbers that they had on offense? They were number one hundred nine in passing success rate last year, number one seventeen in offensive PPA per drive. Like that is brutally bad. Um, Starkle he was injured in week four. He missed five games. Uh, they started uh, – well, he started the last three games of the season. They were all losses. Like, the numbers were not good. He never came back fully healthy, it didn't look like. Uh, as far as the defense, like I said, 
loads of experience and upside on all three levels here. Defensive end, uh, Fehoko, and the linebacker, Kyle Harmon. Um, and then, of course, cornerback, Nehemia Shelton. Uh, and then you got safety trade Jenkins. These are all guys that, that could be NFL draft picks. Secondary yeah, was number say, these are, yeah, these they are, are awesome. Sunday guys, man. Oh, 100%. Could, could, could be Sunday guys. Some oh, of yeah. Uh, secondary was number 75 in pass uh, success rate allowed. They returned two cornerbacks with 500-plus snaps. And, of course, the uh, the safety Jenkins returns. And they did bring up a transfer, USC transfer, Chase Williams, who he may end up being the most talented guy in the secondary. Uh, give me give me your record here. What, what are you looking at for this team? So, I like this team, I think, better than you do. I've, I've got them – I've got them flipping their, their record from last year. I've got them seven and five. I have them six and six. Okay. I do like. I was wondering. Them. I was wondering if you were five and seven still, or if you were giving them a bump. Oh, so. I'm giving them a bump, and I could I could see them yeah. seven and five for sure. Um, my losses here, I've got them losing to Auburn. I've got them losing to Western Michigan, which they could easily win that game. I've got them losing say, to. That's a, that's a game I think it's a coin flip. Oh yeah, uh, at Wyoming, I've got them losing that one. Uh, at Fresno, at San Diego State, and at Utah State. I've got those as losses. Their road schedule is not forgiving. I, I will certainly say that. Nope. Um, they definitely have, I think, the toughest schedule on uh, like this side of the bracket. Yes. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I, I think they're pretty tough. That's I I I would tend to agree with you. Uh, going to Auburn and then bringing Western Michigan in, like that's yeah, that's rough. Western Michigan. So all of them play a P5 school that we think they're probably going to lose to. It, most of them play another G5 school that's not a Mountain West team that I kind of favor so far in the in, in, in doing this in this division I kind of favor all the Mountain West teams over all the other divisional teams that they play this is the one where I think you're right I don't know that I can favor them over Western Michigan yeah that's I, even with the game at home I just Western Michigan I, I trust uh, Tim Lester I trust what he does so they're tough yeah that's a tough they're football tough. team I mean, that's, that's a tough that's a, yeah, we talk about this Mac, you know, football. These are these are tough kids, man. But I think it's <laughs> a coin flip game. You are not wrong. Uh, my keys to the season here: find a way to stop turning the ball over on offense. They were number one twenty-seven in turnover margin last year. Uh, they got to try and find some kind of consistency on that side of the ball. And then I put they cannot lean on the defense for everything. Uh, I put in here: defense has some studs, transfers, and youngsters need to step up quickly. And then I put uh, they went four and two in one score games last year and still went five and seven uh, without a steady offense that could easily regress this year. Uh, they've got to score more points this season. So I've, I've got them at six and six. I don't think they're going to go four and two in one score games again. Like I'm sure that will probably regress to about three and three. Uh, but I think that the defense is good enough. And with Cordero uh, at quarterback, and then of course the uh, the wide receivers Cook and Lockhart. Um, I think that those guys are are really good. So I've got them at six and six. Um, not bad, not bad. And Chris just dropped out, and we're gonna let him jump back in here. But uh, but yes. So so with Nevada or sorry, San Jose State, I've got them six and six. We got two more that we're gonna try and knock out uh, because I may have Let's... some I may have some noise in my office here in just a minute. Chris, we got you back. Yeah, I got you back. Sorry, man. I, I think Zoom, once we get close to an hour, just says, I'm done. <laughs> because it's happened. It's happened at like the 57-minute mark both times, and, and my, my Wi-Fi is lightning fast right now. 
That's, I do wonder about that. Um, I, I, so I, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. either. So I don't I'm just telling either you, it's weird that it, the, the time happened at the same time. Two straight times when it happened last. Well, we, we anyway, see. I'm here. I got you. What what, what team are we on? Uh, we are moving on to the Hawaii Warriors here. Um, ooh, ooh. Let me go and write my time down. Ugly. Hawaii. The ugly this, part. Yeah, this one could get this one could get very interesting. Uh, the Rainbow Warriors. Of course, last year, everybody that paid his attention to college football, if you haven't paid attention in the offseason, first off, we understand. I get it, even though there is no offseason. Todd Graham was fired in, what, February, I think? Yeah. They ended up hiring Timmy Chang. And for those longtime viewers of this sport, you will remember him because he would fling the ball all around in June Jones' run-and-shoot offense. It, It was a lot of fun. Uh, this team went six and seven last year, and and then they just had a mass exodus as far as transfers go. Like everybody left this team. Um, Timmy Chang has well, never been a coordinator, and we had and we like, had and we had some problems in the program. Um, you know, Todd Graham was obviously a complete and utter disaster. Yes. Um, so I mean, it's just a lot of players yeah. said that he uh, he was verbally abusive. And all that, and it's it's just old guard kind of stuff that you got to be able to adapt from. And Graham never did, right? Uh, right. So then they bring in Timmy Chank, who is uh, the the hero that has always been loved by everybody at Hawaii uh, for as long as you can look back. He has not been a coordinator at any level yet, but he is the guy that they have helmed to uh, to maybe try and clean this up. I will I will tell you this. The program is not willing to put in the money right now that you need to be a successful program. Uh, We think this is a stopgap thing, don't we? I do. eh, Do you? I think they're hoping that it can turn into more. I think they're going to give Timmy Chang a lot of leeway. Uh, This they're not just going to fire him after like three years if he doesn't show. I think. I think this is like four or five year stretch because they're going to get the stadium redone. Like they're already working on that. Uh, they're they're going to do a lot of different things, but they're they're still trying to nickel and dime this, from what I understand. And I don't know how you can be successful in the Mountain West by nickel and diming your way through it, right? Well, what I was saying is, is I think this is all about the stadium. I think they're not even going to try to focus on competitiveness or anything of that nature until the stadium's done. Yeah. Now, I might be wrong on that, but – I think it's going to be really hard to recruit and to compete at a real level of any substance at all playing in a practice field for several years. Yes. They are playing in front of about 3,000 people. It's not good. I, I, <laughs> I, will, I, will take, I will take the under on that. They, they will uh, not be playing in front of 3,000 people. It holds 3,000. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Ain't. Yeah. Uh, they ain't gonna be playing in front of three thousand. They are number one thirty-one in returning production, dead last in FBS. Twenty-five uh, percent of their production is back, um, and that even includes transfers coming in. Like the transfers that they are bringing in are guys that have not played. So right. this could be very interesting. Um, on top of that, uh, you lost ten starters on offense. You lost seven starters on defense. Uh, you lose Shevin Cordero. You lose uh, big play wide receiver Nick Mardner. You lose stud defensive end Jonah Lualu, who went to Oklahoma. You lose linebacker Darius Mwasau. Uh You lost every kind of playmaker that you got. They went 6-7 and seven last year. They were not bad, right? 
Uh, post-game win expectancy nope. was 6.59 and 6.41, so they were right around where they should have been. Uh, maybe should have been 7-6 and six instead, but regardless, uh, it is what it is. This team, you can throw out every number from last year. Like, right. none of it sure. matters. Uh, their projected SP Plus record is 4-8, and eight, um, which is silly. Uh, it, it, sorry, 4-9. and nine. Sorry, because they play 13 games. Um, they bring in, so let's talk about the offense first. Eastern Washington offensive, uh, offensive coordinator Ian Shoemaker takes over as the OC, and this is his first FBS job. But if you've paid attention to FCS, Eastern Washington's offenses are a lot of fun. Like, they, they really move the ball around quite a bit. You got to figure out who's going to be your starting quarterback. You got Joey Yellen from Pitt. You got uh, Can- Cameron Cooper uh, from Washington State, who was a backup. And then you've got sophomore Braden Shaker, who was a backup at Hawaii. So three guys that have been backups um, are all going to be, you know, vying for this job. And then you're starting from scratch as far as playmakers go. You got running back Dedrick Parson. He's a dual threat playmaker, but you don't have a lot of talent in the receiving core. Um, offensive line at least looks kind of solid. So you know, maybe maybe that's good. I guess. Uh, as far as the defense, Jacob Yoro is the DC. He was the co DC in 2020 in Todd Graham's first year. Uh, and he was also a coach with Nick Rolovich. So there's at least a little bit of continuity there, uh, even if there's not with players. Uh, they did bring in seven P5 defensive transfers. Uh, the defense does look decimated other than the transfers that have come in. Uh, again, numbers from last year do not matter. Like, it, they were number 61 in defensive PPA per drive, but it, you can't gather that this will be anywhere close to that. Uh, you just got to hope that the chemistry hits with these new guys and that the D.C. Yoro knows what he's doing, who is now on his third Hawaii staff. Uh, give me give me your record here. What, what do you think? I, I think they're 2-10, and 10, and I, I think they're just going to struggle, and I don't know that they'll win two games. I've, I've got them 3-10. and 10. Um, I've got them beating uh, Nevada at home, but I could easily see them losing that game. The other two, Duquesne and at New Mexico State. Um, I mean, this will tell you, we, we really don't think highly of New Mexico State. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not, oh, we're not um, I mean, if, if they get something, ro- like, there's ways I could see this going well because Hawaii has always done pretty well. But, man, if you just look at the roster and look at the schedule, like, this is this is not a good setup at all. Um, their first three games are Vandy, Western Kentucky, and at Michigan. I I don't see how they win any of those, uh, even though they've got Vandy and Western Kentucky at home. Like, I just, I, you know, yeah, travel to Hawaii is kind of rough, but, eh, I don't know, man. They they brought in 11 P5 transfers. Uh, my keys to the season here, develop chemistry early, hope they pick the right quarterback. Offense is going to need to develop wide receivers early. And they'll luckily have a relatively steady offensive line to lean on. Defense uh, transfer city needs to gel quickly with three relatively tough non-cons to start things off. Like I've got them three and ten. Um, you you've only got them winning two ball games. Two ball games. Two and eleven. Whew. That is rough. That's a, that's a rough season when you got uh, thirteen games to play instead of <laughs> instead of the normal twelve. Like that extra game is just. Ugh. Uh, they closed the season at San Jose State, by the way. <laughs> so, <laughs> just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. Um, all right, we'll close out with uh, with UNLV here. 
uh, UNLV. It's a this is a tricky one, right? Very tricky. Uh, Marcus, I got, Roy, him, I got him a little better than I originally thought. That's uh, well. So they went two and ten last year. Um, yeah, I which got better was, than that. Yeah. So they they were two and ten last year. Uh, the post game win expectancy really said they should have been three and nine, but uh, you know they went eight and four against the spread. They were pretty good. They they did really well uh, with two touchdown wins over Hawaii and New Mexico. They scared three uh, Mountain West contenders last year. Yeah, like they were they were in some ball games that they maybe should not have been in, and it had nothing to do with their offense. Like Marcus Arroyo was the OC at Oregon when um oh my god what's the quarterback's name uh uh that plays for the Chargers Herbert? Yes, Justin Herbert. Justin he was, Herbert? He was the OC okay. at Oregon for Justin Herbert. Uh okay. which led everybody to think, man, we should probably be betting against Marcus Arroyo because if his thing is offense and he couldn't figure out how to use Justin Herbert, then <laughs> how is he going to lead a program? But uh, in this situation here, like let's let's talk about the offense first. Well, they, they're big losses. They lost running back uh, Charles Williams. They lost wide receiver Steve Jenkins, uh, and they lost defensive end Jacoby Windman. Um, let's start off with the offense. Pretty much anything is an improvement. They were number one hundred nine in offensive PPA per drive last year, one twenty one in rushing success rate, number one ten in passing success rate. But with as few plays as they had on offense, they ended up number nine in the country in offensive explosive play rate. Now, the reason why is because they did not have the ball that much. Like, that's <laughs> that's the biggest thing. So when they did hit big plays, uh, the ratio was thrown off, right? So that's that's why it looks a little crazy. Um, they, pretty much anything is going to be an improvement on offense. They brought in quarterback Harrison Bailey, who was at Tennessee. And Bailey, like, can he beat out Cameron Friel for the job? That's the question. Friel was a freshman last year and won the starting job. Ended up starting, I think, seven games. Uh, they've got three guys that played meaningful snaps last year, and they never really settled on any of them. Like, Friel was the closest thing to settling as they could, but I think Harrison Bailey can beat him out. Uh, the other part is you got to limit the turnovers, and you got to find a playmaker somewhere. They don't have any playmakers on this team, at least from last year. Uh, the wide receiver, Kyle Williams, did show some flashes last year. But he, you know, eh, we'll, we'll see what he ends up doing this year. Uh, as far as the defense, decent against the run. Uh, they were number 30 in defensive rushing success rate allowed. But, man, um, I think that had to do with the fact that everybody could pass on them because they were number 121 in passing success rate allowed. Uh, the front seven looks promising. They need experienced secondary to play above their heads this year. They've got four players with 400-plus snaps back. You know, give me give me your thoughts on Arroyo's uh, third bunch here. I, I think they're going to be much improved from last year, and I use the word much, uh, I think, correctly. I got them four and eight, Gary. I think this team's going to be better. I think they're still going to be a bad football team, but I think they're going to be better than the seller that they have been. Brother, me and you are in the same boat here. I've got them four and eight. Uh, my four wins are Idaho State, New Mexico, at Hawaii, and Nevada. I think yeah. this is a, and I think they're going to scare some teams that maybe they, you know, you wouldn't expect, right? Uh, right. At Utah State, right. North Texas, you know, something like that. Uh, could they sneak up and and beat uh, San Jose State? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I think this is a step in the right direction. Like uh, Arroyo, like at, at some point, like his offense has got to do something. I would imagine. 
Uh, by the way, big thing about this team, what, yeah, they, they did turn the football over a lot last year, but they were number seven in the country in penalties per game. Really, really good. Like, they did not beat themselves a whole lot. They just weren't all that talented. So yeah. That's the mark of a well-coached team. Yeah. So I, I would imagine that they do take another step forward. Uh, the keys to the season here leaned a lot on youth last season. They showed a lot of potential with two touchdown wins over Hawaii and New Mexico. And uh, and like I said, they scared three Mountain West uh, title contenders. They This is still a really long rebuild. Uh, the roster strength still sits at number 122 per the guys over at CFB Winning Edge. Uh, how much do transfers like wide receiver Ricky White from Michigan State and the running back Robbins out of Louisville help? Those guys could absolutely be playmakers, uh, and they could flip that offense around quickly, very quickly. quickly. So uh, as far as returning production goes, number 41 in the country, number 27 in the country on defense. So they got some experienced guys. Like this this should be a lot of fun and, uh, you know, again, step in the right direction. It is a step sure. in the right direction. So who uh, who have you got winning the division? Um, I'm, I'm going with San Diego State. I have got... Oh, I've got Fresno State because I've got them undefeated in conference. And so, okay. Okay, I could I could see either one of those. I don't think anybody else really competes for the title. I agree. I agree um, completely with that. So, yeah, I'm uh, – I, I, I think it's a two-horse race. There's a world where we've been wrong on this, and the only team that I think can sneak up on them this year and have a surprise year is, is uh, the Spartans. I, I tend to agree. San Jose State uh, – I mean – Nevada, I've got three and nine. Hawaii, three and ten. UNLV, four and eight. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm struggling to get those teams to four wins. Not not even to like five hundred. Four wins. Yeah. yeah, you know, and and some of those I think I'm being generous on. So I, I you know, I, I just don't see a world where that's it. This is very top heavy compared to the other side. The other side uh, uh, of the ball, well, I just don't think it's super impressive all the way around. But um, I, I think we got two real good football teams here. I think I think you're right. This is going to be a lot of fun to watch, see what San Diego State ends up doing with their offense, uh, see what Fresno State looks like with a brand-new head coach. So uh, as, as far as experience and whatnot goes, like I think uh, I think you got to tip your hat to San Diego State on that one. But uh, but it's not like Tedford doesn't know what he's doing with uh, a Fresno oh, team. Oh, no. You know? I, 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 I like Tedford, and I, and I like uh, – uh, um, Brady Hope? Yes, Brady. Uh, and, and I think it's so – I think it's fitting that they're the two best teams in this division because their styles clash so much. I tend to agree. I tend like to they, agree. They, they, there, there aren't a whole lot of similarities, and they basically contrast one another. You got that right. You got that right. All right, buddy, is there anything else that we need to hit on today? No, that's it, bro. You see the stuff about Bill Belichick? No. Uh-uh. Uh, Belichick is working with the offense almost exclusively in, uh, in minicamp. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. and <laughs> when people were asking uh, who's going to be the play caller since he hasn't named an offensive coordinator, he uh, he said, what plays are we calling right now? Minicamp plays? He said, we'll get to it when we get to it. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I love the man. I love the man so much. I think he's trying to do everything by himself. He does. He won't hire a defensive play caller or a coordinator. Um, he he won't hire an offensive coordinator. He won't. He refuses to hire a general manager. He, if they win this year, at any level at all, I'm talking nine and eight. Somebody needs to have real considerations for this. Might be his best coaching job. It's yeah, because he's handling all of it. 
Like, he's doing everything, <laughs> and he refuses to hire anybody. Half the staff is his damn kids. Because he and here's the thing, I think it's just he just doesn't he just doesn't want to work with anyone else. He sees how some of these coaches act and and handle things, and he just doesn't trust them. And this kid, he can take home and beat the shit out of. <laughs> that's that's a very interesting way to look at this. <laughs> I don't think he does that. I'm not saying he does that. I'm just saying you can control your kid a hell of a lot more than you can control some jackleg that you hire. And 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 put in a position and give them a, a leadership role. That's uh that's a very good point. That's a very oh good point. Oh my gosh, it's so wild. He he brought Joe Judge back. He brought uh uh oh god Patricia, Patricia. back. Yeah, and uh, and he wouldn't even give Patricia the DC job back. That's a, that's so nuts. That's so nuts. I was a hundred percent positive he was going to be the DC hire because he just knows him. They were really successful with Matt. Matt knows exactly how Bill wants to do things, and he's like, "Nope, you come back, but you're demoted." <laughs> <laughs> he's such a dick. Oh, oh it's so dick. funny. Oh Lord. All right. Anything? Uh, anything you want to hit on? No, let's go, brother. I love you. Appreciate you. Thank you for dealing with my technical issues and. Uh, uh, Have a good one. It happens. I love you too, buddy. All right, everybody else, take care of yourself, take care of each other, and hopefully all your tickets cash this week. Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Visit the website at winningcureseverything.com, or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at Winning Cures, at Gary WCE, or at Chris B. Giannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.